challenging message about no risk, no reward. Amen? No risk, no reward. I want, I want you to realize this morning, we began to think about how when you begin to do, try to do something for God and God gets involved, God can do amazing things through people who are willing to take risks. And we have never been able to do anything for God without stepping out by faith. It was really interesting that at this conference, Pastor Paul asked me to do a, a workshop on Thursday called Leading Change by Faith. And he wanted me to talk about how, you know, we've gone transitions to different buildings. He wanted me to challenge a lot of the other pastors that are, are that, to grow more and to, to have faith for bigger buildings. And um, he wanted me to talk about how we've gone to two services and just kind of talk about those leading change by faith things. And, and as I was preparing it, I had no idea last week as I was preparing it that this was all going to happen. Um, so the weird thing about that as you're listening is it don't, don't think that we just made an overnight decision. The decisions have been being made and the prayers have been happening. But when I say that this was going to happen and you say it's going to happen is different than when you're thinking about it. So we've been thinking about it for a year um, with, with Africa. And really about three years ago, um, Pastor Dylan, when we sent them to Carrollton, he really had a heart for Arusha, Tanzania, and so did Ashley. And Ashley is really, really behind this. I mean, she's really, really um, has a heart for Arusha. She's been there. They went out. Some of you might remember they went and visited several years ago. Um, and so when, when that began to happen, we, we didn't know it was going to go in this direction. So I'm, I'm making this thing out. And, and, and then Wednesday, we ran, really began to talk about it. And then Thursday, it got heavier. And, and, and let me tell you something, how it works. I remember when I got sent out of the home church to start that church in Costa Rica. We were already in Costa Rica. But when they literally said, you know, we're going we're gonna to plant you there and we're going to help you start a church because we just had our kids ministry. <clears throat> I, it was a Friday night. Friday nights when we do you know, planting churches, and they called us into the office at 6 o'clock p.m., and the service started at 7, and they sat us down in the office and said, do you want to start a church? We had like five minutes to make a decision, so it, it, it's not, but that decision wasn't like we hadn't thought about it, but it's at that moment where you say, am I going to jump, or am I going to stay in the plane, or in the boat, or on the ground, or however you want to think about it, right? And if you don't ever jump, if you don't ever take a risk, I was thinking about this, if you don't ever take a risk, you only have two options. Take the risk and expect results, or don't take a risk and expect nothing. Think about it. That's, that's what life comes down to. If you don't take a risk, you'll never know what could happen. And so I want to kind of challenge you this morning as we talk about this, no risk, no reward. And if you're taking notes, I want you to look at Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, please. And I want to read a verse. Chris is going to put 11 in a second, but I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8. And I want you to think about this because one of the reasons we don't take risks is because we're afraid of the what ifs. What if this goes wrong? What if this fails? What if this doesn't happen? What if I make a plan and it doesn't happen like I wanted it to? We, we don't do things because we stay in the what ifs. So look at this verse. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. This is, this is not a statement. This is a question. He's, he's saying, what if I dig a pit? What if I fall in? 
If I tear down a wall, if I tear down that wall, maybe a snake will bite me. And so instead of tearing down the wall, I stay in the what ifs, and the wall never gets torn down. And I don't know, and, if, and maybe there was going to be a snake that was going to bite me, but maybe I was going to put up a bigger, better wall. Maybe I was going to fall into the pit that I, that I dug, but maybe, I, maybe water was going to come out of it. So if you live in the what ifs and you don't ever try and you don't ever risk and you don't ever step out, you'll never see God do anything in your life. How many know fear is a big factor in that? The fear of, of, of failure, the fear of how am I going to pay for this, the fear of how, how are we going to send somebody to another country. You know, when we did that thing Thursday night and made the decision, we see God come through. I just told you what happened. I, I told you what came in that night, which is a miraculous amount of money in one night. But do you realize that we, as we sat in that office talking about going to Arusha, God didn't tell us, I'm going to give you $40,000 tonight in the offering? We made the decision before we ever got the offering. And, and so you, you, it would be nice. I talked about that in my workshop. It would be nice if God would say, here's what I want you to do. And here's the steps I want you to take, and I'm, here's how I'm going to do it, and here's how it looks. Be nice if it was like that. But he doesn't ever do that. He just says, I want you to go, and I want you to trust me. I began to think about some of the, the risks that we have to take as believers. And here's a statement that we've all heard. If you, if you want something you've never had, somebody finish that for me. If you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and saying, I'm going to get a result different this time. If you want to have something you've never had, you've got to try something you've never done. And, and in the kingdom of God, God is constantly pushing us. As Rowdy said that, that's, that's everybody's fear. I'm scared to talk in front of people. I, I don't want to talk in, people, in front of people. They say, I, this is out of my comfort zone. That's what God does. God calls us out of our comfort zone. He says, I'll do it through you. I'll speak through you. I'll speak for you. You begin to think about different people in the Bible, like Moses and Gideon and Ruth and so many others in the Bible. They all were afraid. But you know how they did it? They did it afraid. They just did it afraid. I, you know, you might look at me now and preaching and doing the things. You might look at me and say, oh, he's got a man. I do it afraid all the time. I just preached for the 20th time in conference, and I went up there with stomach knots, sweats, fear, nervousness. I don't ever get up to preach the word of God boldly in the sense that I'm, that I'm somebody or I've arrived or I'm doing something. I'm always scared to death. But I've learned over the years to trust in the Holy Spirit. When I get up there, he's going to speak through me, and he's going, to, he's going to use me as a vessel, and he's going to do something great through my life. You might not ever get up and preach a message from a pulpit. You might not ever go be a missionary. But listen, as we plant churches like we're doing today, and we continue to do God's will, we need other people to step up. We need other people to rise up. And other people to say, I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to work harder. I'm ready to work more. I'm ready to go further. I'm ready to do more. I'm ready to take some risks. Because the person who risks nothing does nothing. If you think about it, our life, everything we do in life is a risk. Why do you think we have insurance? Insurance on our house, insurance on our car, insurance on our bodies. 
Because everything's a risk. Nothing's promised. So I want you to look at this verse in just a moment, but here's another one. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control or sound mind. That's not a fear, not fear. We've got to do it afraid, but we do it afraid knowing God's going to go with us. Amen? He doesn't want us to walk in that fear. But the fear part is, here's the problem we stay in the fear a lot of times because we're thinking about the what-ifs. And the what-ifs can be paralyzing. What if this goes wrong? What if I don't do it right? What if, and, and, you know, it's like praying for the sick. If you, what if someone comes up and, and they're in a wheelchair and they don't get out of that wheelchair? What if they, they come up blind and they don't get healed? Well, what if they do? What if they do get up out of that chair? What if their blind eyes do open? What if their deaf ears do open like it did Friday night at conference? What, what happens then? Then the revival happens. What if, I, what if I do something great for God and he supports me and gets behind me and goes with me and God does something amazing? Here's why people don't do great things. Because they say, I can't. I'm too weak. I'm too poor. I'm too shy. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't have the right words. I'm, I'm too young. I'm too old. But always remember, when God calls you to do something, he does it through you. He does it through you. We're just vessels that he's looking to use, and we must be dependent on him. I want you to look at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for there you will find it after many days, the Bible says. This is an interesting verse. And somebody came up to me after service and told me, showed me the New Living Translation. It says, cast your seed to go overseas. Very interesting. That's, that's what we do when we're doing something for God. We don't ever know where the seed we place is going to go. And what God is wanting us to do is understand that while we talk about being consistent and, and reading the word and praying and coming to church and giving and doing what's right is because we're planting seeds. Everywhere we go, we're planting seeds. Patty said it, seeds are being planted. Seeds are being planted. And a lot of times we're planting seeds and we're expecting to see something. I've learned this over the years. You're expecting to see something right there. But the growth comes somewhere else. Just like if you were to throw something out into the water, how many know it's not going to stay right there where you threw it? It's going to end up somewhere else. So casting your bread upon the waters, casting your seed upon the waters is saying, I, I don't understand how this whole thing works. I don't understand how, how it's possible that we could go and reach the world from, from a small little church or how, how I could make a difference in the world or how I could do something for God when I'm just, just a nobody. But God says, don't worry about the how just do the do. Just cast your seed out, your bread on the water. Just cast it out there. And then look what verse two, or three, 2 says. 3, so let's go to 3. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. You know what it's saying there? We can't control everything. 
When you begin to try to do something for God, you want to control everything. Some people are, are it's not even on purpose. They just try to control everything. i got to have my hand on everything. If you're going to be used by God, you can't have your hand on everything. You've sometimes, a lot of times, got to take your hand off like that song and say, Jesus, take the wheel because I don't know where we're going, but I trust that you're going to lead me in the right direction. I can't control everything. There's things that happen that I don't understand. And I can think of seeds over the years that my wife and I have planted financially, spiritually, physically, that I still haven't seen a harvest from, from that direct seed, from that specific seed. But what I've learned is maybe I'm thinking, okay, I'm planting, uh, just to give an example, I'm planting an orange seed. So I'm expecting to see an orange tree somewhere. And everywhere I go, I don't see any orange trees. But I might see apple trees. I might, be, I might see fig trees. I might see something else, and it might be the seed that I planted, but it's not the way I put it in. And there are going to be things in our lives that are going to happen that are not always going to be told here on this earth. We're not going to always see the full picture. We're not always going to see everything that's going to happen. But as you continue to do the right thing and take risks, God will do amazing things. As you continue to look at this, there's a powerful verse here. This is the key of why people don't take risks. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I, I said this in this meeting, this is, not, this is not for everybody. It can be, but it has to be for people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and say, God, if you can use anything, use me. And, and if you don't take risks, again, the person who risks nothing does nothing. Here's the thing. In the end, what we will regret the most are the chances we never took. Because this next verse says, the cloud, actually let's look at um, verse 5. 4. Is that 4 that's up there? Yeah. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. You know what that means? You, you, you start to do something for God, and then you start thinking, well, what if the wind blows this way? Well, what if it rains? What if it doesn't rain? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? And you start wondering and questioning, and you're thinking, man, what, what if? What if? What if? What if? All day long, people who what if will never do anything for God because the what ifs will stay there, and this is exactly what this quote means. In the end, what we regret most are the chances we never took. I, 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 I've thought about this so many times, and this makes even more sense this morning. 20 years ago last month in September, the Lord spoke to me to go to Costa Rica exactly 20 years ago last month. Went to Carl and said, God's calling us to go to Costa Rica. We went. But before we went, there was a permissible and a perfect will. Not too far from our old building, we were in a church, we were involved, we were serving, we were doing what many people here are doing, and, and there was a... a, 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 a Moral failure in the church. The pastor failed and, fought and fell and had to leave the church. And, and they asked me to take the church over. They said, we want you to be the pastor. Not right in the beginning, but a couple months in. But God had already spoken to me to go to Costa Rica. Now think about this. The things that you do in the end, you'll regret the chances you never took. So God had spoken to me to go to Costa Rica in September of 2000, or 1998. And I told my wife, this is what God wants us to do. And we knew that was God. But then the permissible came in front of us. And it was less risky. It was a lot more secure, a lot more strong foundation. They said, we want you to take over this church. It was a very blessed financial church. 
The, the salary was, was what I'm making now after 20 years later, 20 years ago. I, I had never, ever even thought about making money in the ministry, and they're offering me a salary, house, insurance, all these things. 20 years ago, over here they're saying, here's a house, here's a salary, here's a two- or three-hundred-person church. These people love you. Stay here and do ministry. And God's over here saying, take your own money to Costa Rica and go step out in faith. Look at the two options. If I'd have taken the other one, like Patty said, this is nothing about me. This is about God. Where would we be today? Where would so many people be today? 20 years ago, Tanzania wouldn't be happening. Costa Rica wouldn't have happened. And I can go all down the road with all the things that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have taken a risk. No risk, no reward. But you don't always know. I can look back now for the last 20 years and see all the things that God has done over the last 20 years because of the risk we took to go to Costa Rica. I can see it now, but I wouldn't have been able to see it if I wouldn't have taken a chance. Until you step out and say, God, what can you do? How can you use me? You'll never know. And so that's what this thing's telling us. And that verse is saying, it, don't, you know, look at the, don't look at the clouds. Don't look at what's going on around you because if you do, you're going to fail. Let's finish this here. It says in verse 6, or the, the next part of that is, how, verse 5, sorry. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her child who's with, her, her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. He's bigger than us. So he says, here's the answer. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So you obey, you sow, you listen, you go, you do, and at the end, it's all going to work out. We're going to see what, what all this means at the end. How many follow me so far? Faith is the willingness to risk anything on God. So when I'm talking about risk this morning and stepping out, I'm not talking about just doing something crazy. I'm talking about doing something crazy for God. Because what, what the reason we don't do things a lot of times is because the things aren't, I've noticed over the years, things aren't always right where they're supposed to be when you're trying to make a move. Things aren't always right in place, and things don't line up, and things that don't make sense. But I thought about this saying, a smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. Think about that. How does a sailor learn how to navigate those big old waves and those winds? He doesn't, nav- he doesn't get it out on Lake Louisville on a calm day. He gets it out on the ocean when the hurricane's coming through. That's when he learns how to navigate those winds and waves. So a, a smooth sea, how many want that smooth sea? I'm going to raise my hand. I want it to be smooth. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I realize that even in the last few years, the devil, when I look today what God is doing and how that popped up and how Tanzania is happening and we, had, we found out this week at conference from things, things happen you don't even know about. The church we started in Costa Rica, the pastor that's pastoring it, got up to give his report and we found out that land has been donated to our church in Nicaragua. And we're going to start a church in Nicaragua out of Costa Rica. Those are things that you're casting your bread upon the waters. You don't even know they're going to come out. But the more seeds you sow, the more harvest you get. The more risk you take, the more rewards you have. No risk, no reward. And so you have to trust God. You have to say, God, I, I, this doesn't make sense. This is scary, but I'm going to do it anyways. 
You think about businesses. How many know all businessmen, businesswomen, business people have to take risks? Risks. We know of some businesses today like Chick-fil-A, Walmart, Amazon, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Coca-Cola. Businesses that are known around the world, and they're prosperous. You think that everything they ever did worked? You don't think they had to take some risks? You think about Colonel Sanders. He tells his story. He's passed away now. He failed time and time and time and time again before it worked. So a lot of times we see the end result of something. We see the fruit in someone's life or we see the big things that are happening, but we don't see the risks they took. They don't, we don't see the, 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 the struggles. We don't see the waves. We just see the sailor's license. But they didn't get that by going through smooth waters. And, and I'm going to be honest, a couple years ago, I, I was at a place where I was comfortable. We were over there on four-wheel drive. I didn't want to go nowhere. I knew that, that we were going to ride in the road. I didn't want to go nowhere. I said, we've spent a lot of money in this church. We fixed it up. I'm happy. I'm content. We've got a nice little church here. I don't want to move. I was content. But God had something bigger. God had a better building. God had a better, better plan. I, I wasn't thinking about planting churches. I, wasn't, I got comfortable. We can get comfortable. And this is why the Bible says that to not to despise your youth. Because when you're younger, you take more risks. And, and I want to challenge myself and I want to challenge you, especially some of you maybe that are over their 30s, to not shy away from risk. To not shy away from fear, from, from things that would paralyze you. Because the older you get, the more comfortable you get. And you say, well, let somebody else do it. But look at Moses. Look how old Moses was. Look how old Abraham was. He'll use anybody that's willing so I'm challenging myself to, to do things. You know, we were coming back on the plane, and, and it's just a, a, a sample size example of challenging yourself. We were, everybody knows I'm claustrophobic and I'm afraid of being, being in small spaces. And we were coming back, uh, going and coming back. We didn't get good seats, and we're on Spirit Airlines. If you've ever been on Spirit Airlines, the seats start real big at the front, and by the time you get to the back, they're tiny. Like as you go, it's like you're going into a small tunnel as you go to the back of the plane. And it gets less and less and less. And both ways, I was sitting in a seat where there wasn't much room. Coming back on, yesterday on the plane, I was in the middle between two people, my wife and somebody else. That's out of my comfort zone. I like an aisle. I like to be able to get up and walk around. And I just, and Carla was impressed that I was not worried about trying to get a I said, listen, I just went to Africa and sat on a plane where the roof was right here. I passed that test. I'm, that, that's, that don't, you know, it's like when you've been in a little tiny plane like that, now a big plane with no room between you and somebody else seems small. You know what that means? You have to do something sometimes. You have to overcome that fear sometimes, and then now other things don't seem so scary. Some people never see a reward in their life because they never step out of their comfort zone. But when God, when God asks you to do something, I can promise you something. It will always be out of your comfort zone. Always. Amen. Expect, listen to this, great things from God. I mean, no, we should expect great things from God. But to expect great things from God, we have to attempt great things. No risk, no reward. As I begin to close, I think about Judges chapter 6, verse 15. Gideon is, many of you know the story of what God wants him to do and most people know the 32,000 men down to 300 men. And 
He says, God, how can I save Israel? How can I save Israel? I am the weakest in my clan. He says, my clan's the weakest. I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the least in my father's house. So that's the answer we give God most of the time. When he says, I want you to do something, we say, I'm the weakest. I'm the least. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. And those who say that will never do anything for God. Never. But then God goes on to say, the Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Church, every time we step out with God, God will step out for us, and he will do great and mighty things. He will not let us go alone. Can anybody say amen? He's going to go with us. He's going to step out with us. And if he asks us to do something, he's going to provide everything we need. He's going to provide the finances. He's going to provide the volunteers. He's going to provide the resources. God is already doing a mighty thing. He's already ahead of us. I was talking to Carla this week about Pastor Dylan and Ashley, and many of you know them, and some of you don't. And many of you know his personality and know how he is. And I began to realize he was made for Africa. He was made for this. His personality and his, the way he does, he's, he was just being groomed for this. This is, this is where he's supposed to be. It's where he's supposed to go. And as I was telling her that, um, Pastor uh, Bland came up to, to, uh, to, to me after the service Friday night when we prayed over everybody, and he said, the Lord gave me a word for, for Pastor Dylan when he got up on the stage, and he said, this has just been in the plan for a little while. He said, but in God's plans, this has been in the plan since you were 15 years old. Before he was even saved. And I want you to think about this, that how awesome it is and rewarding it is for us as a church because of the sacrifices you've made and we've made in prayer and finances and just doing what we're supposed to do. We're allowing Pastor Dylan to fulfill his destiny from many, many years ago, and he's able to step into that because of obedience. And, and, and he is ours. He's not just someone who came in from another church looking to be used. He was saved in our church. He was married in our church. He was discipled in our church. Amen? And now he's going to Tanzania to preach the gospel out of this church. That's, that, we're all his parents and his brothers and sisters, and we should be proud and excited. Now we're seeing Dwayne and Myra step into that too. They're going to do it scared. I looked at Myra this morning. I looked her at that conference. I've seen those eyes in my wife's face. I've seen those eyes of I'm so excited, but I'm so scared. I know what that feels like. And, and the, the hard thing for me is it's so much harder for me to believe for them than it is to believe for myself. Because it's easy for me to step out and make a step of faith. But now to trust them to step out and, and be worried about them, it's hard. But I know God's going to do a work because God is going before you guys. God's already got this worked out. He's already got it planned. Amen. He's going to do a great, mighty work in Tanzania and in Carrollton. The question is, how many more churches are going to come out of this place? The question is, how many more churches are going to come out of this place? Guess who knows the answer? You. God first and then you. Because he needs people that will go. I can, I can want you to go all day long, but you've got to go. 
You've got to be willing to go. Listen to this last quote. A ship in harbor is safe. You know, a ship looks really good at, at, in harbor. It's majestic and pretty and painted and clean. That's not what a ship was made for. A ship was made to go out into the ocean. A ship was made to carry people across the ocean. A ship was made to take those waves and take those poundings. And that's what we're made for, church. We're made. We have something very unique here. It was mentioned during the conference. Pastor Jones confirmed it Friday night. We have something very unique here in this church. Don't forget that. Planting churches is God's heart. Expanding. This is not about being a mega church and asking everybody to come here. It's about going out and planting more churches. Going into a place like Tanzania where we do not have a church anywhere in that country. Now we're going to have a church. How exciting is that to know that that's coming from here? The first church ever in Victory World Outreach in Tanzania from Denton, Texas. It's exciting. And you are part of that. Whether you just came into the church or you've been in the church forever, you're a part of that. We're a part of that this morning. So once you make that decision, once you finally say it, and I want to, I want to tell you one story as I close. I'm going to read one last verse in a second. I, I, I really feel, feel led to share this. I almost wasn't going to share it, but it's pretty powerful. The seeds we sow, we don't ever know when they're going to come back. I said that earlier. And the things we do, you know, sometimes you might get bored with doing the right thing. Don't get bored with doing the right thing. Keep doing the right thing. God sees everything. God keeps good books. God pays attention to things. Every morning I send out a verse to three or 400 people. Most of you get them. If you don't get them for some reason, ask me. I'd love to send you a verse every day. If you stop getting them, let me know. Because the other day I deleted a whole list and I don't know who I deleted. So I've had several people tell me. Please let me know. But I send three or 400 people a verse every day. And that might seem monotonous. It might seem like, man, why do I do this? There's certain, you know, I've been doing it for years. And unless I was in Africa when I didn't have text, I do it every single day. Now it's a habit. I wake up and I make sure by 7 o'clock I try to send that thing out. And it seems like it's not doing anything sometimes. And so I got a text back the other day from somebody. There was a man that many of you don't know and some of you do named Harry Hutchinson. He was Pastor Jones' best friend growing up. Pastor Jones led him to the Lord many years ago, and he was that kind of friend that told his friend, Harry, you're going to hell. How many know if you've got a good friend? You can't just tell anybody that, but if you've got a good friend, they're not going living right, you've got to tell them you're going to hell. He was a big old guy, fighter, cop, mean, cusser. Harry, you're going to hell. If you don't get saved, you're going to hell. Thank God he did that because today he's in heaven because Pastor Jones told him he was going to hell. And he got saved and we became really good friends. He went to Costa Rica and preached for me there. He preached for us uh, here in Denton at the other church. And, and there's a funny story told uh, Destiny told me one time, she's here, they called him Uncle Harry. Kristen and Destiny called him Uncle Harry. They call Uncle Harry, their uncle to anybody they really care about that's not family. They call him uncle. And so she, she comes to me one day and she says, man, I, love, I just love Uncle Harry. I said, oh, that's good. She says, but when he talks to me, I just nod my head yes, because I can't understand anything he says. I just nod my head yes. He was from Tennessee, and he had a Tennessee twang. I used to joke with him when he preached at conferences. You want me to translate for you into English? I mean, it was bad twang. But he, he went to be with the Lord, and so we'd talk and all that. And so when he died, someone else got his phone number. And so sometimes that happens. You guys change phone numbers, or people change phone numbers. And 
His got changed. And a lot of times when it gets changed, someone will text me back and say, stop, big S-T-O-P, capital letters. Stop sending me these verses or, or you got the wrong number. They'll be real rude. And I'll, and I'll usually respond and say, does it really bother you that much to get a Bible verse? And if they say stop again, then I stop. I respect them. But this time was rare. And this guy, and I know he's a guy now, he texted me back. And he said, hey, um, I think you got the wrong number, but I really appreciate the Bible verses you're sending me. And I said, oh, well, good. I'll just keep sending them to you. And that's been a year, year and a half. So just Monday morning, we're on our way to, we had just got to conference, and I get a text from a different number. And he says, hey, um, you used to send this, this your, you know, your text is, uh, verses to Harry Hutchinson's phone. I got a new number. Can you, can you send them to these new number? So he switches numbers, and he wants me to keep sending him the verse now. That doesn't happen very often. So then he says, so I said, okay, I, said, okay, I got you. Now I know who you are. I, you know, I put in there his name, Harry's old phone. So if you ever seen my phone, I, got, I always put something next to it so I can know who people are. So I saved it, and then about two hours later, he texts me back again. Rain of the Holy Spirit, there it comes. So we can't go anywhere anyways because it's rain outside. So he says, hey, I, I, and I don't really know why, why he did this, but he, he texted me back, and well, I know now because it was, it was God that I was supposed to read it. And he says, uh, give me one second. He says, I don't know if I've ever told you about myself. He says, I... I was released from prison December 5th last year. And before I went in, I did not believe in God. Well, needless to say, I picked up a Bible for the first time in my life and discovered God. And yeah, people say jailhouse religion, but I know what I believe. And the second I got out, my family gave me a phone and I turned it on. And the first message was a verse from you. He said, I can't remember from my life what the verse was. But here I am, fresh out of prison, nervous, and I get a Bible verse from me sent to my phone the second I turn it on. He said it changed my life. And now he says, every day when I wake up, I feel like I might be losing my faith again or going back to my old addiction or slipping away. I get a Bible verse from you reminding me God's here. And just to leave it in his hands, he said, you help me every day remind me that God is here and have had to have faith. He says, thank you. I don't know what that means to you, but I just wanted to say thanks. You know what it meant to me when I read it? It meant tears. Amen. So there's a perfect picture. Maybe that guy never texts me back and tells me that. I'll never know the impact I'm making on his life. So some people, were, sometimes we're never going to know. But that's why he says, cast your bread upon the waters. Cast it out there. Don't worry about the waves. Don't worry about the clouds. Don't worry about the wind. The wind. Don't worry about the rain. You're affecting somebody. If you're doing what God's telling you to do, you're affecting somebody. And once you say, yes, I'll go. Yes. Yes. God, yes. Once you say that, Psalms 32.8 says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. He'll tell you to go left. He'll tell you to go right. He'll tell you to stop. He'll tell you where to go. And then I love this, I will counsel you with my loving eye. I'll guide you with my loving eye. I'll guide you with my eye. Isn't that nice to know that God's guiding us this morning? Amen.
So this morning, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to understand you'll never have a reward of anything great if you don't risk anything. You have to step out of your comfort zone. You have to say, God, use me this morning. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment, but as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. God, what are you wanting me to do? What are you challenging me to do? What are you speaking to me to do? What risk do you want me to take? What reward do you have for me? How many know the reward of God is great? It is great. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Neither has it even entered into the heart of man. All those things he's prepared for us. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, give your life to him this morning. Say, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be saved this morning. I want to be born again so that I can make a difference in somebody's life. How many all over this place would be honest with God and say, I'm not saved. If I died today, I'd pass into eternity, and I don't know where I'd spend it. But today you can because Jesus died for you on the cross. How many say, that's me? Just put your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not saved this morning. I need to be born again. Don't forget this morning, churches, we're praying. The reason we do that every service is because we're making a statement to the devil that we believe souls can be saved in this church. And if you ever bring someone to this church, they're going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. We're telling the devil that we're a soul-winning agency. Just like we're telling the devil this morning that we're going to plant churches and we're going to grow and we're going to go and we're going to build until he comes back. Even when we get lazy and we don't feel like it and we get comfortable, he's going to challenge us to take some risks and we're going to remember that we are a ship and we were built for the water. Like Jeff said, we're a part of an army. And watch out, devil, because people are making decisions this morning. Powerful decisions. Powerful decisions. What risks is God asking you to take this morning? As, as we plant this church, as we, as we send Dwayne and Myra to Carrollton, as we, as we do transition, other people have to step up. It might be someone who's already doing something, stepping up more. It might be somebody who hasn't been doing anything, saying it's time for me to jump in like Rowdy did this morning. I'm, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm going to answer God's call. And I'm going to do it scared. I'm going to do it with my knees shaking together. I'm going to do it afraid. It's never too late. But don't get to heaven and regret things you didn't do. Regret things God didn't ask. God asked you to do this, do that. You never know. You'll never know if you don't step out and do it. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to stand, if you would. And I want to do one more thing this morning. We did this in the first service, and if you were in the first service and you responded, I would ask you to respond again because these people don't know who did and who didn't. But I've been doing this for years, and it was done to me. The challenge, we're a church planting church. And God is calling people to say, yes, I'll go. Now, this morning, there's men all over this place. And the reason I say men is we believe biblically that a man is a, a pastor is a male. Biblically. And so we send men with their wives to, pra to pastor and to preach the gospel. And so if you're a man here this morning, 
whether you're married or you're single, and God is calling you, and you would say this. You're not saying, I'm ready. You're not saying, I've got it together. You're not saying, I'm perfect. You're saying, I'm willing. If you are willing, if God called you today, if God said, I want you to go, would you say yes? Would you say, I'll go? If you're here this morning and you're a man and that's you and you do that, I want you to step out of your seat.